You are listening to a message from First Assembly of God. We are a church on a mission to restore everyone, everywhere, to a loving and holy God. If today's message inspires you in any way, would you consider sharing it with a friend? This is just one of the many ways that you can be a part of what God is doing here at First Assembly. Good morning. My name is Jason. Pleasure to be here. You know, we believe the university campus is the most strategic mission field in the world. Students and professors from around the globe are gathering together in one place, speaking one common language, exploring who they're going to be and what they're going to do with their life, wanting shared experiences, exchanging thoughts and values. What better point in life to introduce the gospel of Jesus Christ? But further... What do we do with this unique opportunity? I hope you brought your Bible this morning. If you did, please join me in the New Testament, the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5. The Apostle Paul was a man in a similar situation like us today. Aren't you thankful for the move of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit stole my message. (laughs) Or maybe I'm just joining with him in his message, eh? Uh, But it's just amazing hearing that because this is what we're going to look at this morning. What does it mean to live in this day and time, this season, this hour? What does it look like for us to be Chi Alpha missionaries on these university campuses? Well, I think it's going to look a lot like the Apostle Paul's life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, The new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. If you've got something to take some notes on today, I believe there might be space in your bulletin or pull out your phone if you don't have a pen or something to write with. But I want us to walk through fairly quickly some theological implications of what Paul is writing here. Verses 15 and verses 20, verse 21 form a bracket that contain four realities of the gospel. And so we're going to go through these fairly quickly today. The first reality is the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel. Verse 15, he died for all. 
For who their sake he died and was raised. Verse 21. He made him to be sin who knew no sin. What is this gospel he speaks of here? We find it in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 4. Paul writes, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you're being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Here's the gospel, verse 3. For I delivered to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. This is the gospel. The truth of the gospel is that life is about Jesus, not us. The truth of the gospel is that life is about Jesus, not us. Verse 15, 2 Corinthians 5 says, so we would no longer live for ourselves, but for Jesus. We have been set free from a self-centered life. We have been liberated to a Christ-centered life. The tyranny of self has been dethroned, replaced by a new king. His name is Jesus. And what a good king he is. Amen? Amen. Second, the result of the gospel. The result of the gospel Verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The result of the gospel is a metamorphosis, a metamorphosis, a death to an old life, an old way, an old identity, and birth to a new life, to a new way of living, and to a new identity. We find the basis for this In Jesus' words in John chapter 12, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Church, listen. Before we can receive a new life, we must offer up our old life as a death. Death to old values. What used to capture our attention and decisions, we turn away from these things. Death to our old life leadership. Self has been dethroned. Stop listening to the worldly ways and worldly wisdom. Death to old ways of thinking. Romans 8, chapter 6 says, the mindset on the flesh is death. Romans 8, verse 7 says, the mindset on the flesh is hostile to God. That old way of thinking needs to die. Death to old pleasures. What used to thrill and excite us now begins to fade away. Death. John 3, verse 3, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Death comes first, and then what comes? Life. We are born again to new values. We shift our attention to the kingdom of God. And everywhere we go, revealing this kingdom. 
born again to new life leadership. Jesus now is Lord. What a great Lord he is. We can trust his leadership. We can trust his wisdom. It will never fail, nor will it ever change. Born again to new ways of thinking. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16 says that when we are born again, we receive the mind of Christ. Is this wonderful news? You don't have to think like how you've always thought. He's actually given you a gift of a new mind. We can think like Jesus. We can reason like Jesus. Our minds can dwell on what Jesus dwells on. And it can if we will, because we have that new mind. Born again to new pleasures. This is one of our big messages as we go on college campus. Psalm 16, verse 11 says, In his presence, fullness of joy, and in his right hand, pleasures forever. Understand, Jesus is not opposed to pleasure. He's the source of it. Our problem is not that we want pleasure. Our problem is we don't want it bad enough. Because we're willing to settle in the old way of thinking, old way of living for temporary pleasures that give us a rush for a moment, but leave us worse than they find us. But when you come to Jesus, he gives you pleasure, and then he stacks more and more and more and more on it. Why? Because we're his kids, sons and daughters of the Most High. What a great result of the gospel. Third, the mandate of the gospel. The mandate of the gospel. Verse 18, Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The mandate of the gospel is for us to make reconcilers to the Father. For us to make reconcilers to the Father. We find the source of this in some of Jesus' last words. He's resurrected from the grave. He's about to go to heaven. But before he does, he gives this final command. Are you ready? Matthew 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This mandate, this command is for all children of God. Can I just speak something to you right now that's really important? As born again, new creations, you and I are here for one purpose, to reconcile the world back to our Father and to send out disciple makers all over this planet. I don't care what your job is, how old you are, how young you are, that's why you exist here today. If you know Jesus, we are commanded to make disciples. More on that in a few moments, what that looks like. Fourth, the empowerment of the gospel. The empowerment of the gospel. Verse 20 says that we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. The empowerment of the gospel is both knowing and believing That the power is in the gospel, not from us. The power is in the gospel, not from us. Let me explain. I got some great news for you this morning. You don't save anybody. You don't heal anybody. You don't liberate anybody. You don't fill anybody. Jesus does. He heals, he saves, he liberates, he fills. What I'm trying to say is Jesus does all the heavy lifting. 
So we don't have to be nervous about sharing the good news about who he is. We just got to trust him. What's our role then? I thought he's working through us, Paul said. Well, this is how he works through us. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power, or the gospel. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. That's our role. You will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, your immediate vicinity. In Judea and Samaria, a little further out. And where? To the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. Witnesses. We've seen something, right? We've heard something. We've experienced something. So Jesus, go everywhere and tell everyone. The Lord Jesus, he is powerful. He is ready to move. What is he wanting to do? 1 Timothy 2.4 says, he desires all people to be saved. All people. Not just the ones we like. Not the ones we feel comfortable around. Not the ones with the same amount of skin color in our skin. Not the ones with the same culture. All people. All people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. As Chi Alpha, as Christ's ambassadors, you and I, when we step out in faith and obedience to take this gospel to the nations around us, hear me now, the gospel will move. The power of God will flow and lives will be changed. We don't have to hope, we can know. Because Jesus Christ, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same. His gospel is just as powerful now as it's ever been. He's just waiting for some witnesses. Danny, would you come? About seven years ago, uh, I was a missionary at Indiana State University. I met this awesome young lady named Danielle. And so I've invited her this morning to, to share her testimony, how God has taken her from being a student now to being a missionary. Danny. Hello, good? Okay. So, you know, I, growing up, I didn't know what it looked like to have a relationship with Jesus. I didn't know what it looked like to follow him, how to make disciples. I thought if I was good, Jesus would love me, maybe. But then if I messed up and was bad, then he was angry. He was distant. And I always just really felt rejected, not just by God, but just in my life. I really didn't have many good friends, so I felt alone. I did not know my identity in Christ at all, so I had low self-esteem. I felt ugly. I felt fat. I didn't like who I was at times. And I really, and I had a good family who supported me and loved me, but still on the inside was still feeling that way. And I put a lot of my worth and my value in relationships and guys. So that's where I found love and found care. And as, you know, so now I'm here about to go to college. I was, went to Indiana State University, and I was terrified. I mean, I waited three days to pack before going because I was like, maybe if I hold off packing, maybe I won't be able to go this year. But I went, and I was, I was excited, though, but I was just scared of making friends. I wanted friends, but ironically, I really didn't like people and because they annoyed me, but I was also desperate for friends. So it was just kind of weird. So I'm like, how am I going to make friends? And I'm also still just kind of struggling with the same stuff, I, you know, who I am. And then even, so now I'm here in college also like, what am I going to be? 
you know, on the outside, I looked like I, I worked hard. I had good grades. It looked like I had things going, but on the inside was hurting and was still like, I don't know if I'm going to make it and just really struggling and still really wanting friends. I just really desperately want it to matter. And even just growing up, I always felt like everything I did was never good enough. I felt like I strived and strived, but nothing was ever good enough. Well, then I decided to go to different ministries on campus my sophomore year. I ended up leaving all of them. But then one time, one of my coworkers said, hey, do you want to come with me to Chi Alpha? And I was like, all right. I tried the other ones. Might as well. So I go to Chi Alpha, and one of the young ladies there, she started just talking to me, asking me about me, and she asked for my phone number. And then the next day, she asked me just to go to lunch And I went to lunch with her, and then she started to invite me around the other people in the community in Chi Alpha. So she was introducing me to people and friends, and me and her, in her little box dorm room, she would teach me about Jesus. And we would cry together, we'd laugh together, I would tell her my pains and struggles, and she really just became my friend, and that's what I was wanting And so she invited me to her small group, I was in her small group and was around other girls and people, and... It was because, really, because of her friendship and her, I stayed in Chi Alpha. And because of Chi Alpha, Jesus transformed my life. Truly. God showed me who he was and who I was in him. He showed me that, yes, I did do bad. And, yes, things you do are not enough. But I sent my son, Jesus, who is enough, to live a life that you couldn't, to die in your place and took your sin And he rose again, conquered that, and then now he's seated at the right hand of the Father and sends his spirit to live in me. And he says, Danny, you are my daughter. You matter to me. Your life is valuable. Your identity is not what you've done in the past, is not what you're going to be, what your career is going to be. And it's not in men. It's not in the things and these wells that you're going to that just run empty. But your value and your identity is in me. And really understanding the power and truth of the gospels transformed my life. Like I said, I grew up in church, but I didn't know this gospel. And so as I'm just growing through, and as as I'm growing and learning and changing, I become a student leader with Chi Alpha. And now I'm leading other young ladies from different cultures, different nations, and I'm helping them doing the same thing Sierra did to me. I invite them. I sit next to them in class, say, hey, can I get your number? Let's go out to eat, bringing them around the community so they can see people who love them and are not just using them. And so I'm, I'm doing that. And I'm inviting them to my small group that now I'm leading as I'm, I'm still jacked up working through stuff. And now I'm, and I'm leading these other ladies. And so then I just remembered I was going to school for physical therapy. But then I just remember as a student looking around and I'm like, man, there are so many students who need Jesus. And I'm like, there are so many students who even grew up in church who don't understand who God is, who they are in them, and really how it transforms every area of their life and how to do that practically and how to practically disciple people. So I was like, I'm giving my life to this, to helping students fall madly in love with Jesus. And so I then didn't do that, so I decided to do my internship with Chi Alpha, and that's called the Campus Missionary in Training. And in that internship, I got theological, biblical, pastoral health training, was also still working full-time with the students, but now as a staff member. And through that, I really, you know, I did gain wisdom and knowledge. It was awesome. But God did a lot in my character, 
a lot of the junk that came with relying on men and all that came out. And, and I thought, I thought, man, I am never going to be set free from this. I'm like, I'm going to rely on men forever. I'm going to find my value there forever. But Jesus said, no, you have too small view of the gospel. And he showed me that, no, you are. And now today I can say I no longer rely on men because Jesus has set me free. And he doesn't come for partial healing, but for whole healing. And so I was gained knowledge, wisdom, character developed. And then after that, I did my internship. It was from 2014 when I graduated to 2015. And then basically from 2015 to now, I've been on staff full-time pastoring students and helping them and showing them, I keep saying it, but who God is, who they are in him, and really how it practically changes their lives. And I've been helping other women. I mean, the college campus is filled with men and women who are putting their worth in each other and, and young ladies who are you know, who have not had fathers, and now I'm just helping them grow and saying, not only am I just giving you good words, but I'm giving you the power of Christ. And I'm, and I'm saying, I know what it's like. I get it. And I'm able to say, I can relate. I get it. And so now I just, I, I love them, and I'm so excited that um, what I've done, at, what we've done at Indiana State and what Jesus has done in us, we're super excited to do it here. I, tr- I truly am excited to do it here at Illinois State and really watch these students' lives change and really practically empower them to be disciple makers in the university when they're called to the marketplace and if they're called to be missionaries around the world. And so I'm just really grateful and appreciate you guys. Thank you. Fantastic. What does it look like then to take this gospel to the nations? How do we make disciples? First, we got to pray. I know this is a Captain Obvious moment here, but you need to hear me again. We have got to pray. We've got to pray for our families, pray for our schools, pray for our neighborhoods. You've got to prayer walk. When's the last time you prayer walked your neighborhood? When's the last time you got there a half hour before ever, all your coworkers got there and prayed over their workspace? There's, no, there's nothing tricky about it, right? When we pray, God moves. And that's the reason we've been inviting many of you to join us on prayer walks throughout the summer. And we, we continue to do them year round. Because when we pray, God moves. Some of us here, though, you're hesitating. You're doubting. Do my prayers really make a difference? There's a great quote we're going to put up from Max Lucado. Our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it, and not the one who says it. Our prayers do make a difference. Gospel truth. Second, think incarnational, not attractional. Think incarnational, not attractional. On campus, we are not here to build a Chi Alpha that draws students and professors in. Rather, we're trying to build a ministry that goes where students and professors are. We dig into their lives. We get to know what they value, what they've been through, what their idols are. Why? So we can show them how Jesus is a better Lord than the Lord they're currently serving. This is why we go incarnationally. And I would suggest this is not just for us on university campuses. I would suggest this is for us as the church. 2 Corinthians 5.19, we read it today. In Christ, God was reconciling the world, 
The Father sent the Son. Here again. The Father sent the Son. He didn't say, hey, guys down there, figure it out. You're all jacked up. Find your way back to me. I'll be waiting. Right? God's like, no, I'm going to send my own Son. John 1.14, right? We celebrate this at Christmas. Let's celebrate it today. John 1.14. And the Word, or Jesus, became flesh. And don't forget the ending. And dwelled among us. I've been praying all week. In case you're wondering, why is the Holy Spirit moving so powerfully? Because we were praying. (laughs) Nothing tricky about it. And this is, I pray God, do you have a prophetic word for this church? And I believe God gave it to me. It's this. We must become what we desire to redeem. We must become what we desire to redeem. Yeah, I feel it. Some of you are like, uh. Understand something. Jesus became a man 100%, but he never sinned. Became like us in every way, except he never sinned. And we can become like the people we're wanting to reach without falling into the brokenness that they carry. We must become what we desire to redeem. Third, engage and open our lives. Engage and open our lives. We must assume a new posture as the church. We must stop waiting for the world to come to us. We're going to pray them in. We need a new paradigm, new lenses to see through. Every day, everywhere, this is the new paradigm, Christ's ambassadors. Everywhere we go, I am a living son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I've come here to reveal the kingdom of God. Whether I'm in a restaurant, I'm at a school, I'm working out in the gym, I'm just relaxing at home, I'm Christ's ambassador. How do we do that? Glad you asked. First, share your story. Share your story. If I could be really practical, please write this down. You need to write out your five-minute, your two-minute, and your 30-second testimony. Write out your five-minute, your two-minute, and your 30-second testimony. Why 30 seconds? We call them elevator testimonies. You got to elevate with somebody, God's like, right? You can't like, well, when I was a boy, right? (laughs) You don't got time for that. 30 seconds. Be ready to share what Jesus has done in your life. Share your story. Second, share your struggles. Share your struggles. We got a great slide we're going to put from one of our saints from nearly 2,000 years ago, Metropolitan Anthony Bloom. God can save the sinner you are, but not the saint you pretend to be. Share with the world. Even though we're new creations, we still have struggles. And Jesus is faithful to bring us through those. Third, share your Savior. I'm going to put it on you right now. We've got to be able from our mouth to share the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4, you've got to be able to share it. It doesn't matter if you stumble, if you think you sound silly, if your voice cracks, it doesn't matter. Just saying, I live a, I live a lifestyle that. That's wonderful to live a lifestyle, but you've got to have words to back up the lifestyle. We've got to be able to share the good news about what Jesus has done for us. When Danny came as a student, I didn't go, wow, that's too bad you live for guys and stuff. Well, in the next two years, you just watch me. Right? We went, Danny, this is the truth about what God says about you. You are his daughter. You are beloved. God himself died for you and rose for you. That's what transformed her life. And that's what's going to transform the life of the world around us. Engage and open our lives. Finally, fourth, make disciple makers. Make disciple makers. 
We've got to break this American mindset that ministry is for the ministers. If I just bring them to church, pastor will take over. That is not in the Bible. In fact, I would say it's counter to the Bible. Why do we do that? I would say because we're afraid. We're afraid of what might happen in that moment. What if people ask me a question I don't know? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I get put in an awkward position where I just don't know what to do? You know, really what we're saying is this. As Americans, for us, discipleship is knowledge. If I know more than you, if I feel like I know more than you, then I can disciple you. But for the Bible, discipleship is obedience. I believe, I obey. Therefore, I'm going to open up my life to you. So I got some great news for you today. If you hear the command of God to go and make disciples, you don't have to have all your problems figured out. You don't have to have the Bible memorized back and forward. But you do have to have a story of what Jesus has done. There must be a death. There must be a complete transformation of your life. Sin, struggles, oh, I'm sure you're more aware of them than ever. That's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about there's a power inside of you now, a hope inside of you, a Jesus inside of you. We've got to be able to proclaim this to the world. And even though you feel like, well, I'm broken, I've got problems. Man, sometimes I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm not disciplined like I need to be. Can I just give you a good message today? Let's not make this about you and me. I don't go on university campuses to teach them the great ways of Jason Hartsbarger because there's not a lot of them, (laughs) right? But boy, there are so many great ways of Jesus. I mean, I'm 40 years old, coming up on 41. I think I've shared this maybe before, but I'm officially in creepy old guy in the dorm room age now. You know what I'm saying? So don't be like, well, he's a missionary. No, I'm not. No, stop. (laughs) 19-year-old girls are like, oh, there's a 40-year-old man. Right, you know, not that I'm making out girls' dorms, but you see what I'm getting at here. I've not come to bring me to them. I've come to bring Jesus to them. And he crosses cultures. He crosses barriers. He is awesome. And he is here to do all the heavy lifting for us. But he needs witnesses. Are you ready to be a witness? We hope that you got a lot out of today's message and that you'll share it with a friend. To stay connected with what's happening here at First Assembly, be sure to go to the App Store and type in 1AGBN to download the app. Remember, God's created you for a great purpose. Now go and live it out today.